It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hey, how's it going? Welcome to episode number 280 of Locked On Raptors for Tuesday, February 20th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of LockedOnRaptors.com and RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors. You can find links to every single episode. Uh, of course, Locked On Raptors is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which hosts team-focused shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke. And of course, the, of course, you can find those all together on the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. Uh, great resource if you want to check out what's going on around the league. Uh, obviously, kind of a quiet week this week with the All-Star break, but if you're looking, if you're interested in a team and how their stretch run is shaping up, make sure you check out the corresponding show. And if you like it, subscribe to it uh, and rate it and review it on iTunes separately, and you can do that with us. Find Lockdown Raptors on its own iTunes page. Leave a rating, leave a review. It takes no time at all, and it's very helpful. Makes us more popular, makes uh, the algorithm happy, whatever that means. Uh, and I appreciate it, you doing that in advance. All right, on today's show, a uh, bit of an easy go and all-star recap thing. We'll, we'll dive into a few topics, and to do so with me is our pal Vivek Jacob. How's it going, buddy? Pretty good. How about yourself? I'm tired. I, the Olympics are a thing for me. Like, I I don't know. Every year I go into the Olympics being like, yeah, I'm not going to watch as much as I usually do, and then I watch everything and don't sleep because I'm, I'm addicted to it. Um so that's good, yeah. So I've yeah been having like very. I've been waking up at like five a.m. to watch like short track speed skating because that's something I do apparently, and uh, yeah. So my my days have been my sleep schedule is all messed up. I'm sleeping like four hours a night, and I'll have like a nap during the day. I don't know. I'm out of it. What? How? How are you though? I'm pretty good. I mean, I'm. I feel a little you know lost without any NBA action right now, but. Uh... Thankfully, there was some Champions League today, and yeah. thankfully there'll be more tomorrow. So, and then Thursday we'll be back at it. So, are uh, you an Olympics guy at all? I'm not huge on it. You know, I think the biggest thing for me is the fact that I only came to Canada when I was, you know, 15. Right, right. So I didn't grow up around it. You know, the Summer Olympics are always a big thing for me. Right. Um, but I've, I've never really been into winter sports that much. And, so I never really grew up around it, so I'm not huge on it. But you know, I enjoy the big medal games in hockey. I enjoy, um, you know, if it's on, then and I see a big event, then I will watch it. Obviously, you know, Scott and Tessa doing what they did last night. I made sure I caught that. So I'm you know, still, uh, I, I'm still I, recovering from. That. I don't want to get too emotional, so I won't <laughs> say too much about that. Um, but yeah, when there's big stuff that everyone's talking about, oh, you obviously want to catch that. So I, I, I stay in touch. I'll say that. If you want to find a, a winter sport that'll really get you like engaged tonight, watch uh, ski cross. I think it starts at like eleven o'clock. Uh, it's incredible. It, it's it's like just absolute chaos. People falling all over the place. 
usually like the the best people end up winning it in the end but like there there's lots of randomness to it and it's uh it's kind of terrifying to watch because you feel like anyone could die at any moment uh but it's really fun uh with that all in mind. all right that's yeah. cool yeah uh, check that out tonight ski cross it's dope um has, has the uh jamaican team gone yet for the bobsled event today? yeah the the women went today uh they don't have oh, a men's, that happened today yeah, yeah they don't have a men's team today actually their their second runs tomorrow morning or their, okay. their third and fourth runs um yeah, the the bobsled crew was uh, not the best today. Like the like the broadcast crew, the Nigerian team came up, and it's really cool. They're the first ever Nigerian team. There are a couple of former American sprinters who uh, have dual citizenship, and they are competing for Nigeria. And uh-huh. uh, there was like this whole thing, I guess. Like there's like controversy with them because they just kind of put a team together not long ago, and they're not very good. They were dead last today, and they're everyone in the bobsled circuit is mad that they have like these big sponsors. They got a sponsor from like Visa and Beats, and the broadcast crew was talking about it like it's a bad thing. And I was like, you know what? Like good on them. Like they want to represent Nigeria, and they're gonna get sponsored like ha- handsomely to do so. Like why? Like what's wrong with that? Like it's cool. Why should I don't know. It was very uh, haters gonna hate. kind of the issue with the Winter Olympics. If there is like a problem with it, it's it's not very inclusive and it's not very diverse, and that's absolutely right. an issue. And the Jamaican stuff, like the Jamaicans can't do a bobsled run without mentioning cool runnings, which is a problem. So um, mm. yeah, but eh, that's a different topic for a different day, I suppose. Yes. Uh, let's get into some Welcome basketball. Welcome to the stuff. NBA. <laughs> yeah, this is the All Star Week. Uh, so we talked about. Uh, Diversity issues in winter sports. Uh, why not? <laughs> uh, there was some stuff over the weekend, though, for the Raptors. It was, a, I think, a pretty positive weekend overall for the team. I mean, mm-hmm. Kyle Lowry didn't leave the three-point contest with a horrible injury that's going to require surgery. Uh, he's, he didn't he got come double de- digits in the yeah, three-point contest. Didn't come dead last. That's great. Didn't he come third last? Like, Beal and George were both worse than him. Like, that's good. I think it was just George. I think Beal beat him at the end. Okay. Uh, I, I, yeah. I, I, either way, he didn't come last. That's good. Demar Derozan had a pretty good game in the All Star game. He had 21 points, uh, led tied for the team lead on Team Steph with Damian Lillard. And when they took Lillard and Lowry out late, everything kind of fell to shit for for Team Steph because Steph and Harden were terrible. And like, I, I do love how people are trying to like generate actual takes out of the All Star game. Like for some reason, I'm yeah, listening I found to, that hilarious too. Yeah. For some reason, I was listening to Bill Simmons' podcast today, and there were, like, Mike D'Antoni, like, earnest Mike D'Antoni takes coming out of it. I was like, you know what? Uh, it's the All-Star game. Who cares? Um, like, these guys are all playing hungover as hell and don't care. Why would they care? Obviously, near the end of the game, things kind of ratcheted up, but uh, and Raptors, anti-Raptors rhetoric came out about, oh, DeMar screwed the game up. Like, no, he didn't. <laughs> but what was your overall takeaway from the, uh, from the... The, the all-star weekend for the Raptors because I again I think from Casey and the sort of nice pieces written about him the him being on Woj's pod from the piece that was written about DeMar like that was just like a good week for Raptors publicity if if, if nothing else yeah uh the biggest takeaway from me was you know you look at it from uh, on the whole and just for DeRozan and Lowry to be there along with Casey and the rest of the coaching staff you know Rex Kalamian and Nick Nurse and for me, I wrote about this at Raptors Republic, this just being another watershed mark for the franchise. And I think the last time the last time was probably, you know, making it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess some people would say winning 56 games last year, that being a franchise record. But um, I think the Eastern Conference Finals is probably the biggest mark before this. Um, they won 56 the same year they went to the Conference Finals. 
Oh, did they tie it? Last year they went they went like fifty and thirty two, didn't they? Or fifty one and thirty one. Oh right. Yeah. I'm confusing seasons. That's okay. Never mind. Never, uh, sorry um, to Will actually yeah, there. So yeah. <laughs> I'm a dick. Carry on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thank you for correcting me. Um, but yeah, so you look at that Eastern Conference Finals, and you know I was sort of thinking about you know I always look back at that Miami Game Seven um, because that was you, you, everyone sort of held on to that second round Game Seven where Vince misses that shot. Now yeah. you finally got over the hump and you got past that mark, right? And so now I think it was just really cool for the franchise to have this to be the top team in the East and hopefully you know finish as the top team uh, when the eighty-two games are played. And so that was my biggest takeaway. Just you know, just a lot of Raptors attention, uh, which you know often is a subject of interest for fans. And <laughs> I think they got uh, what they've maybe been hoping for most of the year. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yeah, I think we both tweeted about this yesterday, the identity crisis that we faced when ESPN tweeted out the who's the biggest challenge to the Warriors thing. And the (laughs) Raptors weren't in the other section which is kind of wild. Um, but I think that kind of speaks to, like, a weekend like this is good. It kind of boosts the visibility of the team. Like, I, I'm sure there are people who tune into the All-Star break who don't really tune in for a whole lot else during the season, like big nationally televised games, I suppose, uh, like the most casual of fans and, like, young kids. Like, those are the people who maybe just, like, aren't really aware of what the Raptors are doing, and, like, the lack of coverage probably bleeds into that as well. But, uh, yeah, I think having Casey out there and having, like, the whole narrative of the game be like this is the first time the All-Star game has ever been fun uh, and having Casey be the coach for that like that's kind of cool like I- I'm not sure how much you put on Casey I think a lot of it's probably the new format uh, with the-, the the schoolyard draft and whatnot but I, I think yeah it- it- there's nothing negative to take away from this and like yeah there's the whole late game stuff and Lowry shot like all from three which is uh, very Lowry, but he also had a game-high 11 assists and was making like defensive plays and stuff like that. And then the stuff at the uh-huh. end of the game with Demaria the turnover, but that was kind of Giannis's fault for not being able to catch the pass. And then he had the chance for the last shot, but like, what's he supposed to do when Steph's getting trapped? He dribbles into a trap between LeBron and KD, which was freaking awesome to watch, by the way. That's really fun. Um, and yeah. then Demar gets it at the end of the sh- end of the clock with no room or space or anything to get the shot up, or, and like. It goes like I don't understand like the actual like there were actual like oh Raptors and R- Rockets fans getting a preview of the playoffs here. It's like just relax, man. Like why does everything have to be so serious? This was a fun. Uh, aside from the opening intro thing, this was a very fun event, and uh, the Raptors I think came up pretty well. Yeah, aside aside from the intro and the national anthem. Oh my God, uh, Fergie! What the hell, man? <laughs> <sighs> Uh, did you watch the Jason uh, Marrow uh, clip? I didn't know. Oh my god, they were hilarious as okay. always. All right. but, uh, yeah, I yeah, gotta check that out. Particularly funny. Um, but yeah, besides that, all great for the Raptors. I really enjoyed the game. I mean, um, I was actually out uh, with family, so I came back home, and because of the score, I sort of went back to watch it. Uh, probably wouldn't have done that in years past with an all-star game probably just would have waited for the, for the highlights to be on but mm-hmm. um, went back and watched it and really enjoyed the game you know it, 
it had sort of that perfect combination of entertainment that the fans want to see with some crazy alley-oops and whatnot, but it was also really competitive at points and really competitive down the stretch, which is, uh, you know, we always talk about the All-Star game having the best players in the league, but for a change, it was nice to see them try to make it the best game as well. So, um, yeah, no complaints about the All-Star weekend. You look at what Devin Booker did in the three-point contest, sort of beating Steph and Clay's uh, mark. And shouts to Spencer Dinwiddie getting it done in the skills contest. Yeah, yeah. Why do people hate the skills contest so much? I think the format could be better. Like, the way they do it, the the course is kind of very plain, and the three passes thing, and Embiid finally kind of found a loophole in that. Like, just throw the balls away, because mm-hmm. he missed three passes yeah. anyway. Like, he, good on him for finally exposing that stupid flaw in the system. Um, and hopefully <laughs> that inspires him to change it next season. But, like, I do like the idea of the skills challenge, and people really kind of dump on it. I think it's fun, mm-hmm. and it's kind of a place to get less heralded names, I suppose. Like, Markkanen and Dinwiddie in the final. Like, those two, that's like the peak of their season, really. Um, like, in terms of, like, exposure. So, I'm all right. for it. What did you think of the dunk contest? I thought it was all right. It, it wasn't anything crazy. I mean, um, you know, M- Mitchell had a couple of, uh, had a couple of nice dunks. Um, I'm probably in the minority in terms of the Vince tribute. Um, I heard what he had to say after the game in terms of, you know, wanting to do a tribute to him because he watched him growing up and whatnot. But for me, if you're going to put that Vince jersey on, one, you better make that dunk on the first try. <laughs> and two, that dunk, you better be like eye level with the rim when you dunk it. Yeah. So, so I'm 100% with you on this. Uh, I have a okay. huge problem oh, with the dunk. I feel a lot better now. Yeah, I, I tweeted like about this tonight of. I, I think <laughs> it was some heinous, embarrassing shit. I think it was terrible. I think, well, if there's one positive thing that comes out of it, it kind of illuminates how damn difficult that dunk was and how easy Vince made, made it look back when he first did it. Uh, but, right. like, if you're going to do it, know beforehand if you're going to look like a 5'6 dude trying to dunk on an actual on a 10-foot rim before you do it. Because, like, he looked like he actually struggled to dunk it. Because that's a really hard dunk, and he obviously doesn't have the required athleticism to do it. Um, right. I, I thought, also, get the right jersey. That wasn't the jersey he wore during that dunk contest. He wore the purple front, black back one. Uh, so get right. that era right. And just, like, ugh, the nostalgia, I think, goes too far. And if you're not going to come up with a perfect... Rendition of the dunk, like I thought, Larry Nance's of his dad's was really cool. I think he did it pretty much the exact same way his dad did. Maybe his dad's was a little better, but like throwing on the the jersey and whatnot, I thought that was really cool. But for yeah. Mitchell to go out there, wrong jersey, like kind of the end of like a kind of uninspiring dunk contest where there wasn't a whole lot of hype going on for it, and then for him to go and just throw that dunk down, which just like it didn't even look like Vince's dunk. I know it was the same in terms of motion, but it just wasn't the uh-huh. same dunk by any means. And, like, he must have practiced it beforehand. He must have known that wasn't going to be the end result that he was looking for. And, like, for people to just be like, oh, my God, Vince Carter, like, the, the tribute. Like, no, it's not a tribute. It was terrible. It was embarrassing. Uh, and, if anything, it just makes Vince's that much more impressive in hindsight. But that's about all I got out of it. Right. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm angry, Vivek. Yeah. I, I did not <laughs> expect to bring that out in you. Um, I, I was disappointed that Dennis Smith Jr. didn't make the finals. He had you the know, best dunk he, of the night by had, far. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think he would have brought more uh, to the finals. Uh, yeah. Besides that, I don't think I saw I, I saw anything that you know really blew my mind. 
Oladipo, I think if you had made uh, so for the first time ever, maybe uh, in his broadcasting career, Reggie Miller actually said something I agreed with, which was uh, he should have put the Black Panther mask on for his first dunk attempt. Right. Because he wasn't even looking at the rim anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think if he if he had made dunk, uh, that dunk with the Black Panther mask on, he would he would have shut it down. Um, I think I think that would have been a really cool dunk. It, it sucks that he couldn't pull it off. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, I, I'll give them points for you know trying to be creative and you know trying for the nostalgia, but the results just weren't what you really hoped for. And I'm I'm really big on you know making dunks on your first try. Um, I'm very anti uh, you know Nate Robinson stealing a <laughs> dunk contest championship from Andre Iguodala. So uh, yeah, when guys don't make it on the first try, especially with the caliber of guys that, that were there this year, um, that that was probably the most disappointing aspect for me. I think it's like a sliding scale of like first try stuff. I feel like like Dennis Smith's dunk. I feel like you kind of have some leeway to go a couple tries with that because it was so damn difficult. Like if the right. degree of difficulty is high enough, you can get away with it. If not, then yeah, like come on. Like didn't Larry Nance screw up his dad's dunk the first time? Like yeah, this, yeah, yeah. It's like okay, this isn't not as fun. Also, the scoring system is incredibly flawed. Like, I don't know how Victor Oladipo gets a thirty-one for not getting a dunk down. That doesn't make any sense to me. Like, it should just be right. zero to ten. I don't know why it has to be six to ten. Um, and like, have decimal points. Have some sort of because like you get every dunk. I think that's kind of what what screwed Dennis Smith. Right, is his first dunk. Uh, you know, I feel like his aggregate score probably would have been higher had maybe this is wrong, but like I just. I don't know. I feel like the... I saw an idea that was like, maybe they should power rank the dunks that happened over the course of the first round and then like score it based on that. And if that's the case, like I feel like Dennis Smith would have won because he would have had the number one highest ranked dunk, I'm assuming. And then his other yeah. one would have been sort of propped up. And I don't think... What was his first one? It's not memorable to me, so I don't really remember. But the that dunk was good enough that he should have gone through, I think. And uh, yeah. I don't know. I'm glad Donovan Mitchell won. Like, it's cool. Jazz fans will be really excited about it um, because jazz fans are... Super excitable, but uh, yeah, no, it was whatever. I, the the Vince thing bugged me because it wasn't even close. But other than that, I guess it was a fine dunk contest, and we move on. It wasn't as bad as some of the ones we've had in the past, I suppose. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, that's part of what makes the Levine Gordon showdown so incredible, right? Yeah. Besides the fact that it was in Toronto, um, like they were doing insane, ridiculous dunks that had you sort of jumping out of your chair every single time. And they were doing it all, pretty much all of them on the first try. Yeah. Well, also, like, Drummond and Barton also had a couple of really nice ones in that one, too, that kind of get slept on. Like, that was just, like, a really yeah, good dunk yeah. contest from start to finish. The video that uh, is circulating right now, I'm not sure who tweeted it out, but it was just, like, a super cut of all the dunks. And it's incredible. Like, there's, like, 12 to 15 just incredible dunks from that one contest that, mm-hmm. uh, like, obviously trying to compare anything to that is going to be difficult, but... I don't know. The nostalgia thing, I think, kind of grades on me a little bit because it's like try something new. Like th- this always is more fun when you try new stuff. Obviously, you run out of ideas, and there's only so many things the human body can do with a basketball and a rim. But I feel like there are ways to sort of liven it up and sort of maybe you add props, but like not non non corny props. Maybe that's impossible. Maybe non corny props aren't a thing. But I feel like there's a way to sort of spice it up without having to constantly go back to the past because I feel like that gets pretty tired. Yeah, I get you. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. 
Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Anyway, uh, I guess the other stuff that came out of the weekend was Adam Silver talking about the league and its sort of status. And I think the big thing I wanted to talk about was the playoff restructuring thing. Uh, uh-huh. This seems like it's probably gaining some steam if they're talking about it and being reported as such. Like It's not like a thing that's kind of being kicked around. It seems like they're very seriously considering it. Uh, so the whole idea would be to seed the like throw out conferences and seed one through sixteen. I'm guessing with this, it means they would eliminate conferences altogether and sort of balance the schedule because they would have to. It would be too sort of imbalanced if you're ranking one to sixteen, but one team is playing an inferior conference, for example. But uh, yeah. like on the surface, do you like this idea? Um, I, I think a couple of things would have to happen before it to make it, you know, legit. Uh, like you said, the schedule, if, if you keep playing 82 games and you eliminate the conferences for seeding, then you've got a bit of a bias there, right, in terms of who, play, who plays who. Right. Uh, at, at the same time, you know they're not going to have, uh, you know, go, they're not going to go down to 58 games where everyone just plays each other twice. Do they go up? I don't think they're going to go up to everyone playing each other four times. Right. So, um, I don't know how you get that settled unless everyone plays each other three times and they flip a coin for who gets the extra home game right um, so I think that's a problem that's like then, 90 games though anyway like that that's still too many isn't it or maybe I'm wrong I'm bad at math yeah disregard yeah. me I'm stupid <laughs> <laughs> carry on uh, it'd be yeah uh, it'd be 87 games but right. um but yeah, the other, I think for me the biggest thing from the first round, what I've taken away the last few years is it's just I just don't see the need for the first round to be a best of seven. I yeah. think if you just go back to a best of five, I think it becomes that much more entertaining. Um, and you know, obviously there are uh, maybe a lot, some of it has to do with the fact that you know these lower seeds want to guarantee that they get you know two home games um, instead of maybe just one. And so I think that probably has something to do with it. I don't know if it's that big of a deal when you compare the entertainment value or mm-hmm. just, you know, because let's face it, when a series is 3-0, it's, it's done. Yeah. Like that, that fourth game is just a slow death march for whoever's trailing. And, you know, it just ends up being, you know, pretty disappointing. So uh, I, I, that's all I want to see first uh, return to the best of five in the first round anyway. And you know what? Uh, I think I tweeted about this as well. If you, if you go back to the best of five, it actually makes, uh, you know, a 16 seed, uh, re- regardless of conferences, a lot more feasible because now you're doing less travel. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I like the idea too of like maybe waiting the home games in a five game series based on the seeding and stuff. So if like the one seed, for example, they would get four home games uh, against an eight or 16 or whatever, just and, and the other team gets one, just kind of to. Like, even out that disparity that may be the advantage you're losing if you're the higher seed team losing the seven-game series and sort of the, the margin for error there. I don't know. There, there are ways to do it. But I am kind of on board with going 1-16. to 16. Like, this is not like any... Like, I know some people... 
there's lots of issues that people will die on the hill for, right? Like, there's, like, the whole rest thing, and they're shortening the season. There's, for me, mine is, like, give me a FA Cup-style tournament. That's the thing I'm dying on the hill for. Like, I will not rest until that's a thing. I have no power uh-huh. to make it a thing, but it should definitely be a thing. Um, the, the conference imbalance thing, I feel like, while the West has obviously been better than the East has for forever at this point... I still don't really think it's something that, like, I, I don't care. I understand the logistics of why they have conferences and why it's one to eight, and I don't really mind it all that much. Like, you adapt to your circumstances and you exist within the conference you're in, and that's fine. They got rid of the division importance. That's cool. I'm fine with that. I just never, I've never really been all that big on the conference imbalance thing, but I am very much in on the idea of just, like, cool and weird playoff matchups. So give me a one to 16, because you get, like, right now, you know the whole the argument for people who like the one to eight is like oh let's keep the one to eight because it, it, rivalries build or whatever like we don't really have any good rivalries in the NBA the best rivalry we have right now is Cavs Warriors and I don't think it's particularly close I mean Wizards Boston I guess is kind of good um, even though a lot of those players from last season aren't even there anymore uh, and other than that like the the Thunder Warriors thing that's kind of changed in how that's been perceived i think before kd left that was like definitely an amazing rivalry it's less so now because it's kind of one-sided um and like i just don't think there are that many great rivalries to really care about and i think you know we've seen over the last few years you look at the matchups and you're like man we might get this great matchup and then it so often doesn't happen that like why have this one to eight construct when you can have like cool and interesting and sort of fun offbeat matchups with a one to 16 sort of system so I don't know, are, are you kind of on board with that? Because, like, for me, when I'm watching a, a regular season game, I'm always more interested in interconference games because, like, I've seen the Raptors play the Knicks five million yeah. times. Like, give me a game against, like, Portland or something like that. I like that sort of change of pace uh, just to sort of have something different. And I feel like that would be kind of cool with the East-West thing, too, and uh, or with a 1-16 to thing as well. Like, you're going to get cool matchups you wouldn't otherwise get. I don't really think it matters all that much from, like, a competitive standpoint. Like, I still think if you're a top two or three seed or you know, if, I guess the top four seed overall, like you're still going to get a matchup that you should theoretically win in the first round. I think the Raptors in that little graphic that's going around, the Raptors would get the Sixers in the first round. And like, that's very much a possibility in this system as it is anyway. Uh, uh-huh. But if you add the extra possibility of like, Oh, the Raptors and the Nuggets could play or the Raptors in like the Clippers. Like, I think that's fun. And I think that's different. And I don't think there's any right. rivalry that's good enough to sort of hold up and be like, yeah, we have to protect the sanctity of, this rivalry by keeping the playoff system intact. I just don't think those rivalries really exist. Yeah, and just to go off, the Raptors would have to play the Sixers, but then they'd have to go through the Spurs, the Warriors, and then the Rockets. Yeah, that's kind of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like... Well, the Spurs or the Thunder. Yeah, uh, but like, they, this year they had to go through like the Celtics, and like obviously the Celtics and Cavs is not the same path, but... It's still yeah. a difficult path within their own conference. Like, it's not like they're yeah. walking to it. And I feel like, like, on the other side of the bracket, the Cavs would have a much easier path. I think it would just kind of be a year-to-year thing. It would be random in, as term, in terms of, like, how your path shapes up. But I don't know. I like the randomness aspect. I don't like that you can kind of see in the future and say, like, we, we kind of know right now how these playoffs are going to go more or less, right? And that's yeah. not very interesting to me. I'd rather have the sort of randomness of jostling for, you know, all those positions. And uh-huh. uh, also, I'm very much a proponent of teams picking their first-round matchup just because the NBA is the league of pettiness, so why not just add that extra layer of it? Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm on, on board for the 1-16 to 16 thing just because I think uh, the it'll spice the playoffs up a bit in a way that I feel like it's kind of gotten stale because... 
You know, we, we talk about, like, we need these matchups over and over. We need these rivalries. But, like, how sick did everyone get of Clippers-Grizzlies? And how much better would our lives be if we didn't have that series 1,800 times? Like, yeah. I feel like it kind of gets stale after a while, too. Yeah, and so a couple of things uh, that I want to touch on with what you said. Um, so you talked about uh, picking the opponent. Yeah. What do you think of uh, the home team choosing when those four games are played? What do you mean? Like like aligning the, the home-away split kind of thing? Yeah. That's not bad. That's, I, I feel like that could get tricky with logistics just because of arena availability and stuff, but right. I, don't, I don't hate that. I feel like there should be an advantage to being the number one seed. That, like, yeah. I've always, I don't think the advantage is big enough right now. So uh, right. I, 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 people don't like to value regular season success, but being good in the regular season is really hard. And if you're good over 82 games, you should have some sort of tangible advantage. So, yeah, I'd be all for that if it worked out logistically. Like, I think it would be hilarious if the Cavs, like, trolled someone and said, you know what, we're going to play the first three games on the road. We're going to destroy <laughs> you. <laughs> no, but, I mean, for real, uh, in terms of revenue, they'd, they'd probably just put all four games at home and sweep the series and be done with it. Yeah, I feel like the they'd have to split the revenue or something like that because I, I don't yeah. you can have teams, especially teams that... Their entire reason for making the but playoffs. Hey, they is, it. <laughs> yeah, but I guess like part of the reason teams don't tank is to get those couple home playoff dates. Like that's kind of important to teams, and that's like a significant yeah. amount of money that I don't think the the owners would definitely not sign off on that. And I also think players right. like to play in their own home play, playoff games too. So I don't think that would be signed off either. I hear that. Uh, my my dream scenario, which I know will never happen in reality because of the revenues, is a fifty eight game season. Like, yeah, 82 games for me is just ridiculous. You see it with all the injuries right now, especially, you know, a lot of that is because of the pace of the game now. You know, you see all these bigs just having to get down, up and down the court that much quicker and do that much more to try and stay relevant. And, you know, they're all getting hurt. Um, so I think, you know, with 58 games, you look at, you know, I feel like there's way more stars now than there used to be. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's just evolution. Players getting better and everyone, you know, cream rises to the top and so you could just showcase different players on different nights like you don't have to have you know one night where there's 12 games and you can just there's no way you can watch those games yeah uh, and so now you know you have just four or five games every single night and i think that's way better for the league yeah i wonder obviously taking 24 games off the schedule i just don't think will ever happen because of the financial yeah. aspect to it but I think there is like an argument, and I'm not sure how far this goes. But you take 24 games off, like how much does the quality improve? How much does health improve? How much are guys yep. willing to play longer and sort of put themselves out there a little bit more? Um, okay. And like, how much can you sort of? Maybe it's not like an instant, like yes, there's more benefit this season in terms of revenue because we're losing 12 or yeah, 12 home dates for every team. But maybe it's sort of a long play where 10 years from now, maybe the league is that much more robust and popular because guys are playing more and guys are going all out for these games. And maybe you can make uh, more of a, a sexy TV package to sell on the next TV deal when it's up. Like, all right, yeah, we have fewer games, but we have just like, we, the, you're going to be the only show in town on that night, right? And I feel like maybe that, like, yeah. I'm not sure if the sort of trade-off there is enough for the league to sit, to ever sign off on it, it's probably not because that's a lot of money to not have. And, like, teams like to have events to host their, at their arenas, especially guys who yep. own their own arenas, which is a gr- growing small minimum but um, or minority. But, yeah, like, I think 
just the, the sheer amount of dates that they'd have to cut back would be too, uh, you know, just too much, I think. But I, I like that idea a lot, man. 58 games would be perfect. It would be beautiful. It would make our lives easier. <laughs> it would make me more like – every game would be more of an event. I mean, it's not the NFL where it's just every single game has to be an event. But, like, if your team goes on a bad losing streak in the first month of the season, like, that could spell doom for you. And yeah, I think exactly. that's interesting. I think that's compelling as opposed to – you know, last year the Wizards start two and twelve, and they still have enough time to win forty-eight games and make the playoffs. Like, I, I kind of like the sort of, you know, if you were to have the Cavs this season, for example, and they have that rough start, like maybe the they have a trickier time making the playoffs. And obviously, you don't want stars missing the playoffs, but like that is an extra added layer of you know intrigue to the regular season that we're kind of lacking right now. So, I'm down for that. I think Adam Silver is creative, and I think. Uh, Simmons made the the point on his podcast today. Like he's been in for five years now, and like maybe finally he feels like he has the leeway to start doing some stuff to kind of get creative um, after okay. sort of establishing himself as just like a good commissioner and having the trust of people. So I hope we start yep. to see some changes because like a, a, as good as the league is right now, like why stop now and why not try to make it as as good as you can? Yeah, I mean, I think I do think that because of all the injuries and stuff, I, I do think there will be a point where. We do see, whether it's, you know, a 74-game or a 70-game regular season, I do think that will happen. Um, but I definitely don't see the, the PA games uh, at any point, just because they're, they're, that's too much to lose. I think 74 or something or in that range is something that, you know, you can probably talk to the owners about. They, they'll actually share what you have to say. Or you bring it down to 58, and then you add in a tournament midseason. And, uh... Hey, and then... Both of us are happy. Exactly. That's all that matters. Added to added two teams to the league, make it thirty-two, so you have a full bracket, and yep. uh, introduce it. Oh man, I where are you on that idea? I know it's been like kind of kicked around, not very seriously, but I would love an FA Cup style tournament so so much. And I've had people tell me I'm dumb for that, but I like it's an extra thing to sort of like put in the feather of a guy's cap if you're doing like a Hall of Fame conversation. I know it's hard to sort of inspire people to really compete. Maybe if they're like got their eyes set on a title, but like also I feel like people are gonna want to win that thing because it's added clout. Like I know the FA Cup isn't quite what it used to be in English soccer, but it's still like a, a thing that people care about when they win. I mean, you see, like they go nuts when they win that shit, and I feel like eventually you could kind of build it up. I know the FA Cup has so much history behind it, so it's a little different, and you can't just be like, all right, here is the uh, key uh, midseason NBA Cup tournament, but. Uh, and say like this is important, you should care about it. But I do feel like you could build it up to something eventually. And I feel like the you know the sleeper teams, the guys, the teams that maybe don't start the season very well, like throw the Jazz into a tournament like this after a rough start, playing this well, and maybe they make some noise and give their fans something to care about because everyone's so mad about how predictable the regular season is. Give another trophy for, for teams to play for. I think that'd be great. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that one. Like uh, you know, you, you set it up sort of similar to. You know the, the English Premier League and how they run the FA Cup. You just had those games thrown in there uh, every other weekend or whatever it was. Yeah. And I think that'd be something to look forward to. Absolutely. Uh, do you have any parting shots before we go going here? We had a good chat. This has been a little longer than normal, but I'm cool with that. Uh, do you have anything else yeah. you want to throw in on playoff structure or the health of the league? Well, what you got? Uh, I mean, uh, nothing really. I think we touched on everything. Mm. So. Uh, I hope to, or uh, at least I got everything out of my system that I wanted to. Um, yeah, uh, as, as usual, you can follow me on Twitter at Vivekan Jacob and 
catch my work at Raptor Republic and Sportsnet and North Pole Hoops and B-Ball Breakdown. Excellent. Uh, I might write a couple Olympic-y blogs this week. Uh, what? Yeah. A uh, friend of mine runs a blog that we did back in school that uh, I might do a couple things for this week just because it's fun and I got nothing else to do, so why not? Uh, <laughs> and, yeah, you can check out Lockdown Raptors, check out Raptors HQ. I'm not writing a whole lot there right now, but you can still go there and check it out. Uh, we got some writers for Lockdown Raptors that aren't doing much either because there's no games going on, but, hey, still check it out either way. Uh, if you're in the Hamilton, Burlington, southwestern Ontario area, Come to uh, McMaster Women's Basketball on Saturday. It's the playoffs. They, it's their first playoff game. I'm on the PA doing loud Herbie Kuhn-esque calls. It's very fun, and their games are great, and the women's team is excellent. So come check it out. It's like $5 for tickets. So uh, why not come see some decent basketball and some playoff atmosphere? If you are a fan of a lesser team in the area, for example, you can come and watch a very good team. It's great. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I'll be back again tomorrow. I'm going to do a podcast with our pal Chris Manning. We're going to talk about the Cavs and sort of where they're sitting and going into the second half of the season. A meeting of the minds between the hosts of the podcast relating to the two best teams in the Eastern Conference. It'll be great. Oh, Uh, one one final question for you. Yes or no? The Cavs will finish with the two seed. Ooh, that's spicy. I don't think so. They're four and a half back. I think that's too much. Okay. Yeah, I think they're going to be the three. I think they're going to be locked into that. All right. Yeah. That'd be nice. More, more games, more games in Boston that they get to whoop their ass. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. More, more forty-point games, uh, <laughs> making Tommy Hindstone cry. That'd be great. <laughs> All right, buddy. This was fun. We'll yeah. do it again soon. And uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again tomorrow with another episode of Lockdown Raptors. Cheers. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.